Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Metadata. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 356 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor, the home of the 2024 NCAA championship football team. Uh, Tom was uh, University of Texas, your University of Texas Longhorns in that uh, tournament by any chance? And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. And that's all we're going to say about that. In our last episode, we had our friend Debbie Foster join us for a look back at legal technology in, in 2023. It's an annual tradition with us. It's a great show, highly recommended. Now, we look to 2024 from our personal perspectives. Now, we aren't big believers of predictions on the show, especially after all the unpredictability of, well, the last several years. But we do have instead an annual tradition of sharing our own personal technology New Year's resolutions each year. And it's that time of year again. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Ma Report, we will indeed be sharing our 2024 technology resolutions. In our second segment, we're going to be launching a new approach for our B segment that might surprise you or not. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, our New Year's technology resolutions, a longtime tradition on this podcast. Our premise, as Dennis mentioned, is that anyone can and will make predictions. You probably saw a lot of them at the end of the year. Lots of predictions, and then they hope that we forget how successful those predictions were. Now, granted, to be fair, Dennis, I think that a lot of them, when they do their prediction show next year, they will talk about whether they were successful in the past year, and they kind of have to own up to it. What we don't see are a lot of people publicly sharing what they plan to do, what their resolutions are around technology are for the coming year. We, on the other hand, have a proud tradition of boldly sharing our annual personal technology resolutions and looking back at them to see how well we did or did not do. I like the idea of resolutions because... They give you a place to get started as the new year starts, uh, but if you don't happen to follow through on them, it's also not the end of the world, as we will discuss shortly from my perspective. Dennis, I guess let's start out by talking about 2023. What did you resolve to do in our 2023 resolution show, and how well uh, did it turn out for you? You know, as an, uh, an aside to start out, Tom, I, I can confidently say that well-prompted chat GPT-4 has definitely reached the point where it can do a better job than most of us humans can do, both with predictions and resolutions. But here are my last... Does that uh, mean that these resolutions for this year are generated by chat GPT? They might be. Okay. You never know. Right. You never know. Right. So last year's three for me. Second Brain, our ongoing uh, Second Brain project, uh, the next generation of it, and to up my Notion skills, which is where my Second Brain project resides, practical applications of generative AI, and post-Twitter approaches, intentional news, and social media consumption. Now, I definitely was not perfect in 2023, but I give myself a B-plus on my Second Brain project, 
a total A plus on practical AI projects and a gentleman's C plus on post Twitter approaches. How about you, Tom? So I'm going to quibble a little bit with your grading system here, Dennis, because considering the fact that you announced your departure from Twitter on January 1st of this year, I think that C plus is being a little generous about it. I mean, you may have made the decision in 23, but you didn't actually make the public I'm announcement. A, I, I'm known as a high grader. And yeah. as a professor, I'm like really up I'm on, on how, to, how to sign these grades. Well aware of your curve. Yes, I understand. All right. So my three, I'm going to be much, much tougher on myself than uh, than Dennis was uh, because I, again, have proven that I struggle with resolutions. So my top three, my, my three resolutions from last year were, again, to make improvements on my second brain. I will give myself probably a C minus on that. I worked more with Notion. I got it into better shape. I um, uh, planned an entire vacation using Notion, and it was a very big success, but I didn't get anywhere near what I needed to do with developing the second part of, excuse me, the second brain part of Notion. So not happy with the outcome of that. My second was to learn more about the metaverse. And I will give myself a split grade on that. I will give myself an F for doing nothing, but I will also give me myself uh, an A plus for dodging a bullet because does anybody know what the metaverse is anymore? I mean, the past year, the metaverse basically went hidden and unknown and nobody's talking about it anymore. So I'm not unhappy that I failed at this particular resolution. And then finally, my third resolution was to restart the newsletter, post to the blog, and again, never found the time to do this. Started to find the time to write some things, but it just never worked out. It it was a very uh, work-intensive year for me. I'm sad about that because that's one thing that I do miss being able to do is is write a lot. Um, And uh, I hope to return to that. But uh, this past year, I would say, was not a great year for my resolutions. You're talking about, I'm a little speechless because I, I don't think I've heard or seen the term metaverse in months. Um, so, I know. It's the first, I mentioned it for the first time. I agree. So here's what I, I learned from the resolutions. And, and the, the, the feeling is actually important because um, I, I keep trying to develop an experimental mindset, um, sort of using the scientific method, if you will. And, and things change. And so I like to experiment. I like to adjust. I like to pivot. And sort of my big insight at the end of the year, and it's not, uh, uh, I'm surprised it took me so long, is, is I looked at what I did over the year, including these uh, resolutions as a portfolio and try to, I think it's better to look at how well the whole portfolio did rather than to, to grade each, each piece of it. So I don't know, Tom, I, I suspect your resolutions uh, did evolve over the year. I mean, it sounds like they did. I would say st- still no. I mean, <laughs> I think that my uh, use of my second brain I've thought in different ways about it. I've actually thought of new ways that I want to use it. I have tried to decide whether Notion really is the best place for the second brain at this point. Um, I am intrigued with the new AI services that it's bringing, kind of the Q&A function where you can begin to query your notes. That is really um, very intriguing to me because to me, that's where I see a good use of the second brain 
going, similar to what I suppose Notebook LLM is doing with Google, Copilot is doing with Microsoft. So I'm intrigued on that. I would say I made progress, but I was not happy enough with my progress on any of these areas to really call it a success. Yeah, the Notion AI stuff is really cool. If people want uh, uh, to find something to experiment with with AI, um, that's a good place to start. So I always use a three-part approach on technology resolutions. So first of all, is there a specific technology pain point that I'd like to alleviate or remove? Second, is there a new technology a new skill or a more advanced use of a technology that I'd like to learn? And third, is there something I can do to advance my career, accomplish more with technology, improve processes, or enhance customer service, I'll call it. In my case, that always seems to be like enhancing student service. Tom, do you use a theme? So in the past, I've used themes, you know, in past versions of this podcast and past episodes of our resolution podcast, I have adopted your theme as well of looking at those things. I think those are good ways to approach it. Given my lack of success recently, I'm going to abandon all attempt at a theme this year other than to say I'm choosing goals that are important to me in the moment. There are things that I want to accomplish from a specific standpoint. You will notice the one theme that I chose as we get into it. I won't give it away until we start talking about it. But uh, I've chosen goals that meet that criteria that we talk about every year is that, is that goals need to meet the, the SMART goal setting criteria. And SMART being the acronym for a goal must be specific. It must be measurable. It must be action oriented. It's actually doing something. Um, it must be realistic and it must be time-driven uh, or time-bound in some way. And so I think my goals generally meet those criteria, but they don't follow kind of the same theme that you follow this year. Okay, so you want to go to our resolutions? and Let's, um, let's do it. And I can start us off. So my uh, resolution number one is the metaverse. No, just just kidding, Tom. The uh, so <laughs> I'm uh, intrigued. <laughs> I've been I've been thinking about intentionality this year, and um, in, in some ways, this is my word for 2024. And the the pain point for me that I'd like to alleviate or remove is this unintentional passive consumption of news. And social media that comes at me at a in a feed I don't curate, um, especially as we get into an election year. So I want to kind of I don't want to do like a detox necessarily, but I I want to to be super intentional about what I do. Uh, go to higher quality news sources, more RSS, and then to get exactly the information that I want. And then I think the other piece that I want to do in connection with that is to say, what is the consumption of social media blocking me from doing? And so I see it's things like, uh, you know, VR. I want to do like this VR virtual reality travel. And there are some other things and just like research, little research projects that I never get around to. And I think I want to convert the time that I'm just, uh, you know, uh, kind of scanning through, skimming through social media to be way more intentional. I totally agree with that. I, I don't know how you could have been this long without having more uh 
more directed news items. I've only both in my RSS feeds and in my Twitter, you know, my, my method in Twitter has, or X, whatever it is now, has always been to, rather than f- read what my followers and people are doing or things like that, I make a list that is only of the people that I want to get information from, generally technology related. Although I sometimes worry if I'm in an echo chamber, I wonder whether I'm in a, in a bubble because I only get the things that I want, but I'm not unhappy about it. All right, my first resolution, and you will start to see the theme as we talk about it, is about artificial intelligence. And given all the grief that I've given Dennis over the past few months on his uh, obsession with artificial intelligence, I am aware of the irony and potential hypocrisy in my resolutions for this year. But my first one is related to work. And these are going to be intentionally vague because I can't go into a lot of detail about what we're working on. But at my company, you all know that I work for an information governance consulting group. And we've been taking a look at artificial intelligence from a governance perspective and understanding that artificial intelligence from a corporate perspective, governing it and making it compliant in your organization has many parallels to how information is governed in the organization. And we are starting to take a look at what are some of the best practices that companies should be using to deal with AI, to make sure that its uh, companies are able to do it and use it in a way that makes them productive, but are also in ways that are accurate and ethical and secure and uh, respective of privacy rights and all sorts of things. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's some interesting tight ropes that we need to walk, but we're working on that. We're also looking at ways that AI may be used to help in the legal research process. A little bit different from the legal research that you've been seeing in the news, you know, with fake case citations. This is more targeted and directed. I'll be able to talk more about it as the year goes along, I hope, but I am looking forward to kind of finding out how artificial intelligence and information governance may play together. All right, that's our first uh, resolution of peace. Uh, We've got more to talk about, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. InfoTrack, the same company that simplifies your e-filing and process serving, is right now preparing Legal Up 2024, a free and fully virtual event for legal professionals. Learn new skills from experts around the industry. Meet fellow legal professionals from around the country. And tune into the latest and greatest trends and happenings from the comfort of your home or office. Join InfoTrack and One Legal on April 24th and 25th and see why 99.9% of legal professionals recommend this virtual conference. Register now at InfoTrack.com slash LegalUp. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple.
And we are back. Tom, first of all, I love this very targeted use of AI that you were talking about as opposed to like, let's solve all of legal research. But what's your second resolution? And will I be able to, to guess the theme? Yes. Theme is, guess what? It's artificial intelligence. And my second artificial intelligence one is also fairly specific. And this is something that I am only sharing with Dennis in the moment as we're talking about it. But now that ChatGPT is allowing you to create your own ChatGPTs, they're getting ready to release on the App Store the ability to do things. I am going to, one, create a chatbot for this podcast. I'm going to talk about uploading transcripts of the podcast, and I'm going to work on teaching it to have any of, of you who are interested going to talk to us about the podcast. And Dennis and I have talked multiple times on this show about teaching ChatGPT about our book, and I want to get more involved in that. I know that Dennis and I have talked about a potential host for doing that, but I feel like the technology has sort of passed that by, and we now have more opportunities to do that on our end without relying on others. So that's something that I'm going to be exploring a little bit more this year um, with hopefully some guidance from Dennis. Dennis, your number two. My number two is, of course, the metaverse. No. So my number two is what I call my AI lab. And there is going to be overlap here. So this, I call my AI lab the place I've been doing all the experiments I've been doing, uh, primarily with ChatGPT4 um, over the last year, but also other tools as well. And, and the big thing I'll be doing this year is using local open source large language models on a dedicated machine uh, to try some some new things and some new approaches. And this is probably about as technological as I've dove into things in a few in a few years. So I'm I'm really kind of excited about this. But I'm also looking at I was thinking Tom when you were talking about the podcast and the and the book, I think you're right that with sophisticated prompting and GPT four and the updates of the the training that have happened, I think we could get pretty far just with with prompting on doing a version, especially of you know a Q and A, especially of our book. The, the podcast, I think, is a is a bigger project, but uh, um, so so I think that's cool. And the local LLMs could be one way that that we do the podcast transcripts. All right, number three, and guess what? It involves artificial intelligence. Um, this one, probably, if you've been listening to past episodes of the podcast, you could have guessed this. But I plan to, if, if I kind of adopt Dennis's method, the technology that I want to learn about most this year is using Microsoft 365 Copilot. I want to take advantage of it. I am hoping that it is available to the general public soon. You know, I know that as of the time that we are recording this, uh, you can get it on an iOS app. I believe there's an Android app for it. I'm not sure. But to me, that's not terribly helpful. Um, I want to point it against my my content, my micro M365 content, as of this recording, it's mostly being offered just to very large organizations. In fact, one of my clients, uh, I happened to, to see a note that one of my clients was sending to uh, a colleague that said, make sure that you uh, turn on co-pilot transcription for this meeting. I want to get a transcript of everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to use that so bad. So I'm hoping that we are able to access it and use it. I want to learn about it. I want to see how it 
really interacts and what its capabilities and potential is for uh, kind of revolutionizing how we do work, how we do knowledge work and productivity and uh, all that sort of stuff in the workplace. Yeah, I would I would say on those AI transcription tools, I, I think this is a, a fairly significant issue these days. But make sure the other people who are on the call are okay with that, because uh, sometimes people aren't uh, with that, um, and it's it's always it's always good to to ask that. So my resolution number three is not AI; it's actually human intelligence, or what I like to call. H-I. And so uh, we talked, we did a podcast a few months ago about uh, notes. And so I'm, I'm looking at Apple Notes. Um, and um, as I get older, I've, I've decided that I need to admit that I can't remember everything. Um, and I need to start writing stuff down more. And so I'm really starting to play with Apple Notes and these sort of daily capture notes, other things that I do where I'm grabbing things, pulling into notes, and then that will become a staging area for things to go into my second brain in Notion. And I'm wanting to try to develop a really good way to capture notes. And whether that's going to be uh, the Apple Pencil uh, on an iPad or whether it's going to be dictation or how, how I do that, I'm not sure. But I I want to just stop relying on, on my memory all the time. So those, those are my big three, your big three, Tom. Do you have any small resolutions that you want to add? Well, I don't know that this counts as a small resolution, but it's to fill in the blank where you asked for a small resolution. So to me, this could be potentially big. But my real struggle over the past year, when I really didn't get where I wanted to be on starting the newsletter and on starting uh, the blog back up again, part of my challenge was, you know, I consume a lot of technology news and there's a lot of it that I want to share with people that in the past... I was just automatically sharing on what was then Twitter, what is now X. I don't feel like I can do that now because nobody I know is on X for the most part, um, at least not not in such a way that it would gain a lot of traction to be able to share things. But I'm also not sure that going to Threads or Blue Sky or Mastodon or any of those will generate any other better audience. And so, you know, the question I've been asking, we talk on this podcast a lot about the blog being the hub, that, that that's where you you want people to come back to and see your content and see the things that you're writing. But to to get people back there, you need to have spokes on that wheel. And we've talked about the various spokes being, you know, newsletters and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these other social media tools. I'm not sure what those tools are these days. I'm not sure what gets people back. Is that just purely LinkedIn? Is it the newsletter? Is it a combination? Is this the time to make the experiment that I keep talking about and becoming more TikTok oriented or maybe uh, shorts uh, or other tool, other short form video on Facebook or Instagram? I don't know the answer to that. So what I plan to do is kind of do some experimenting understanding what do I want to be my outlets to share information uh, with people. And uh, hopefully that will lead me to more writing and more publishing. That is my ultimate goal. Um, but my small steps are to, uh, to figure out uh, what are my outlets going to be. 
You know, as you were talking about this, I was thinking, I have this sort of smart goal. I mean, it's ambitious, but it's uh, 52 blog posts in 52 weeks. So one wow. blog post a week, wow. which I think is a reasonable thing, but I haven't done it for a long time, but it seems doable. But as you were talking about what is the hub and is it the blog and these other things, do you find something new? I had this little bit of a epiphany here, Tom. I sort of think that this podcast is kind of our hub. And that a lot of things we do uh, flow out of that and can connect to that. And I think some of our best content comes into the podcast. So my, but my small, so something to think about. So my small one is, uh, I, I have two. So the one is that I'm, my resolution is I am just going to wear people out, especially lawyers, to, for God's sake, pay the $20 a month for GPT-4. <laughs> I'm like, come on, it's $20 a month. And it's, you know, as I tell people, GPT-3.5, like, got 10%, 20% uh, score on the bar exam, and GPT-4 passed it. There's a world of difference there. So think about that. The other thing I'm, I'm thinking about is um, I really like this for this year, this, this, uh, this word streamlining. And I want to do some tar very targeted automations. And this is sort of like the notes thing as well. And so part of what I'm doing, and this is also what I'm learning through, uh, through the AI experiments I'm doing, is thinking very small and very focused. And, and this is where I think GPT-4 can be really useful, is I can say, oh, I would love to come up with a way to automate this process. And, um, you know, basically I can craft a prompt where it will give me like a really solid start on that. So that sort of thinking small, streamlining, very targeted approaches to make things easier. So I don't know, Tom, what do you, what do you think our chances are this year? About, probably about the same as every year or are we looking a little better this year? Well, I'm going to say, I'm just, I'm going to take my approach to say that I never know where work is going to take me this year. So I am not guaranteeing any of these resolutions. I am hopeful, but uh, I will not be surprised if I don't get very far on some of these things. You, on the other hand, seem to be very good about getting to most of your resolutions. So I have, uh, I have high hopes on the ones that you've listed here. You know, part of what I do is, uh, you know, it's so much part of my routine now is this notion of the personal quarterly offsite. And a lot of these things come out of that. And so then I'm using techniques and they become priorities and I work through them um, in, in a different way. So I think my success becomes better because because of that focus. So I guess the question we have uh, for our listeners is, what about you? Uh, what resolutions are you thinking about? We'd always love to, to hear about them, especially if you had some good ideas for us uh, uh, that you wanted to share. But we think this is a great approach, and it's so much better than people predicting like what might be and then pretending that nobody will remember what they say uh, a year from now. I think if there are those of you who have resolutions that you think we need to know about or you think everybody needs to know about and we get enough of them, let us know and we'll talk about them on, uh, on a B segment or find a way to sneak them into a future episode of the podcast because um, it's not just about our resolutions. Y'all have awesome and amazing ideas out there as well. So please send us your ideas and we will share them on the podcast. 
All right. We are done with our resolutions. We've got more to talk about. Uh, Before we go to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mall Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And we want to remind you to share the podcast with a friend or two. That actually helps us out. Uh, a new year at the Kennedy Mile Report means that it's time once again for us to try out a new approach for our B segment. I've convinced Tom to play along at least for a little while, With uh, although his resolutions may help with this, with one of my wildest new ideas. We've always wanted to answer audience questions in our B segment. We, we never reached critical mass on that. So I suggested a time we experiment with prompting chat GPT-4 in a sophisticated way to stand in for our audience and then to ask a question that our audience might want us to answer that would make us think and push us a bit. Now, even Tom had to admit that this fits the spirit of our show. So here's the first question from our chat GPT persona stand-in for our audience, and it's this. How can artificial intelligence be used to predict legal outcomes, and what are the implications for litigation strategies? Tom, you are a former litigator, so I'll let you answer first, and let's see you stretch your imagination, because you know I will. Well, so I, f- I first have to say that, you know, for ChatGPT, this seems like a pretty stock question. I mean, it's like, uh, it's a good question to ask, but I feel like I want, I am expecting more from ChatGPT next time. So we need a, I need a question that's going to make me kind of wow what it does. Anyway, that said... There are already artificial intelligence tools that are doing this, right? I mean, there are tools that look at existing data about judges and make some predictions. You know, there's a tool called Predicta that claims it can predict, uh, you know, motions to dismiss decisions with 85% accuracy. There's also, it has modeling for motions to compel and summary judgments and motion to transfer, class action certifications. And what's interesting is it doesn't use the law or the facts to make the predictions because judges don't generally write a lot of opinions about cases. I mean, there's a lot of jury trials out there. Um, It's generally measuring things about judges based on where they went to law school, what their net worth is, how they rule when lawyers are from big firms or small firms, uh, the judge's employment history. You know, other tools that do this and do data analytics are things like Lex Machina and a tool called Solomonic also does this. And I think that, you know, data analytics to predict case outcomes and guide litigation strategy has been going on for a while. And if you look in the the internet, there are articles about artificial intelligence and legal outcomes going back 20 years. To me, I'm wondering whether ChatGPT really meant to ask the question, how can generative AI be used to predict legal outcomes? Um, And what are the implications for litigation strategy from generative AI? And I think this is where it gets more interesting because I think that generative AI is going to be able to look at this from a somewhat 
different perspective than just general predictive data analytics. Predictive data analytics can take a set of discrete data and make some statistical predictions about it. But with generative AI, just thinking about it, you can you know, load an entire transcript of a case, including the pleadings, the discovery, the testimony, all relative documents, all relevant documents into a database and, you know, point an LLM at it. And, you know, in the past, trying to get predictions on jury trial outcomes, I think, is too risky because the jury system is so subjective. And the reason for case decisions and verdicts is subjective. Juries don't always, or maybe I should say very rarely, make rational, subjective decisions. Um, There are tons of factors that are weighing into that. But with generative AI, can you program the tool to take this into account? Can you ask it to account for human nature? You, can you ask the AI to simulate different scenarios and then come up with possible outcomes and say, okay, here's what we've seen before. Here's how it worked out in this case. What are other scenarios and what would be other strategies that we might want to employ to come up with these with, with, with different outcomes? Um, you know, generative AI may come up with a novel approach or a unique angle that the litigation team didn't think about. They may think about a way to address particular issues in the case. And I think that the real value of generative AI in the litigation process is that it's effectively adding another, I'll put quotes around this, law partner, um, someone against whom you can test theories and approaches and arguments. Now, I say this all with the obvious artificial intelligence caveats that Generative AI cannot practice law. It can make mistakes. You should take all that you get from it with the appropriate caution. But that said, I really can't wait to see what types of litigation strategy tools start to look like with generative AI in the mix, because I think that you have something that's really significantly different from the artificial intelligence tools that we've been used to for the past couple of decades. Dennis. Yeah, I think you make a great point that uh, about artificial intelligences, which is uh, a point I make with my students and will be making this year. So I like this question because everything I hear these days in the litigation area is legal research, legal research, find all the cases, shepherdize them, write the brief, all this sort of stuff. I'm like... No, what I'm interested in is, can I use the generative AI to find the most persuasive arguments? Can I make my argument even more persuasive? Can I find a strategy? Can I find the best arguments against my opponent's most likely strategies? And that's where generative AI, you know, if you do a great job of prompting it, can really come up with some cool things. And also the novel theories, as, as you're saying, Tom, it's, it, I wouldn't say it necessarily brings like another law partner in it, but it certainly brings some new creative uh, perspectives into, into the mix and um, can give you some ideas, I think. Uh, like I've been doing some stuff where I'm, at, and it's not in, in litigation, but in other areas to say, like, give me a range of like what this case might settle for. You know, those those kinds of things. Give me a range of how how much income this business might produce this year. Those kinds of things I think could become really interesting. And so it does give you that group of people just about, you know, the generative AI becomes somebody that you can bounce ideas with and interrogate. And it's tireless. We'll just keep coming up with new ideas for you and you can revise it and and change it. So I'm really intrigued 
by by how it it could be used. And I also think it could start to look to say, like in these other cases in this area, here were the strategies that seem to really work well. And then you can modify what you're doing based on that. So now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip website or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Well, I wasn't originally going to talk about this, but I saw this yesterday as a YouTube video, and I just had to mention it. I follow Marquez Brownlee, who is a a tech journalist, and um, he has a YouTube channel, and every year he does a competition or a challenge for the best smartphone camera uh, apps and which smartphones take the best pictures. And he will take a series of pictures, and then he and his team, as well as the general public, he offers them up and asks people to vote on what are the best images. And uh, he posted his results. I've got a link in the show notes. Um, but I, I only raise it this year to find that finally my kind has reached some level of justification because they test in a number of different types of photo places, you know, nighttime photos, selfies, uh, regular photos, landscape, all different kinds of photos that they're taking. And then they, they have a winner for each one of those categories. But at the very end, they average all the scores to present kind of the overall winners. And for the first time probably ever in the, in the course of his uh, competition, Google Pixel phones were the top three cameras of all of them. The Google Eight Pro, uh, Pixel 8 Pro, my phone, got number one. The Pixel... I think 7A got number two and the Pixel Fold, believe it or not, a foldable got number three. So I raise this to say that Pixel phones are the real deal when it comes to cameras. If you're looking for a good camera, you cannot go wrong with a Pixel phone as well as the fact that it's a great phone to begin with. All right. Now my real parting shot, I spent a lot of time on that, is my latest gadget that I am enjoying a lot. I was, I've been looking for a power bank to take with me when I travel because I was uh, traveling on a a plane a couple of weeks ago before the holidays and um, my laptop just died completely on the plane and the plug, the power outlets at the plane um, on my seat did not work, neither mine nor the person next to me. Power outlets totally didn't work. I needed a power bank, and the one that I had only worked with my iPad and my phone. So I found online, I found at Amazon, I basically think you can never go wrong with any tool from Anchor, A-N-K-E-R. Everything I've ever gotten from them has been great. And I bought the Anchor power bank from uh, Amazon, and it has uh, three different plugs in it. Uh, There are two USB-C plugs, so you really need a computer that you can plug USB-C into uh, to do that. And it's got a USB-C-A plug as well. But you can charge your phone four or five times. You can charge an iPad two or three times. You can charge a laptop once or twice with this power bank. And it is a beast. It's uh, It has a 24,000 milliampere milliamp batteries, but it is a great tool. It is about, I believe on Amazon, somewhere around 90 bucks. So not too expensive, not too cheap. Um, it's a good price for what you get. I highly recommend it. I've been already getting good use of it, and I haven't even traveled since I got it. Dennis. You know, that reminds me of that uh, airline commercial where I 
thought you were going to say that they came around and said for uh, seventy five dollars we'll turn the the power outlet. We'll on turn the for power you. on for you. <laughs> so this is the start of the new semester, and so uh, I like to talk to students about psychological safety. Um, and uh, I had somebody who's an expert in psychological safety recommend this really short, like two to three minute video by Simon Sinek, and it's called "The Truth About Being the Stupidest in the Room," and it's on YouTube. And it's just a great lesson for, um, and, and I think this really comes up in the whole AI conversation. The people are going to be throwing a bunch of acronyms. They're going to be talking about stuff. And you just need to, there, there's a point where you just need to say, like, wait a second. I don't understand what you're talking about because probably most of the other people in the room don't either. And so if you can be the one who stands up for the group and and asks that question, that can be really, really helpful. And, and I found that it's uh, a really good thing to use with students. And then I was at a, a conference recently and uh, I had this, this issue where I was doing with Apple Notes and I was using the, the Apple Pencil 2 and I wanted to do handwriting recognition and I wasn't able to get it to do it. And this is where generative AI uh, is even better, I think, than uh, Google or the search engines. I just ask it how to, to make sure I could turn on the handwriting recognition. And so the, the parting shot is just take like a couple of minutes and fix the small tech annoyance that drives you craziest and because it probably is only going to take a couple minutes and you're you're going to be so happy afterwards and so that wraps it up for this edition of the kennedy mall report thanks for joining us on the podcast you can find show notes for this episode on the legal talk networks page for our show if you like what you hear please subscribe to our podcast in itunes on the legal talk network site where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts along with transcripts or in your favorite podcast app if you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can always leave us a voicemail, although we have our new B-segment guest of ChatGPT. We always love to hear from real live human beings, so please leave us a voicemail. That number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. And as always, a big thank you to the Legal Talk Network team for producing and distributing this podcast. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.